guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti, and today I am coming at you on coffee number two. I'm sitting here with another mug of coffee because the first one was just not enough for me. I don't know what is going on. I think I'm becoming too dependent. I need to wean myself off of coffee, but I've just been loving my Nespresso. As you guys know, I'm not even sponsored by them. I wish I was because the number of Nespresso pods I'm going through these days is unhealthy. Anyway, on coffee number two, I have a really great episode for you guys today. I am going to talk a little bit about some things that no one really talks about, I think. Um, which, you know, has to do with kind of this like self-hatred spiral we sometimes find ourselves in. I picture it kind of like a, you know, one of those like slides at a theme park or at a water park where it's like a spiral kind of corkscrew slide. And, you know, I feel like we sometimes find ourselves like midway through the spiral slide of hating ourselves and we're dangerously close to getting to the bottom And then we stop ourselves and we say, you know, why am I feeling like this? You know, what is this? Where does this come from? All of those things. And we do stop and we ask questions. And so I want to talk about that today and about how we can get ourselves back up the slide, you know, and why we're even there on the slide in the first place. So I want to talk about that, get to the root of those things. But I also have some really interesting psychological nuggets and new mindsets that I've been toying with this week. I have journaled heavily about these things. And since this podcast, as we know, is my spoken diary, I felt it was a great moment today to share all these little gems with you guys, the thoughts, the learnings I've been thinking about based on some TED Talks, based on some books I've been reading. And so yeah, today we'll be chatting about motivated reasoning, which is kind of, you know, why you think you're right when you're actually wrong and how our brains can invent narratives and send us down a total rabbit hole of overthinking, overcriticism, spirals of self-hatred. And then finally, at the end of the episode, I want to talk about this concept of, you know, really ambitious people have no need to prove themselves because that's totally false. Like I I hear this, I think this, and I'm like, okay, there's just no way. And in truth, there is no way. People with ambition, people who are accomplishing a lot, a lot of times have these secret things they're harboring that not many people know about. So I'm going to talk about that too. All these things and more in today's episode of Thick and Thin. I feel like a TV show, talk show, whatever, host. Uh, but first off, I want to get started today by talking about the book that I told you all I was reading. And so many of you guys freaked out because you're like, this book has changed my life, Katie. I can't believe you're finally reading this. Like, it's so good. And that book is called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And so I am about a third of the way through the book. I'm kind of savoring it. I don't want to rush through it and miss you know, what's going on. Sometimes I'm like reading at the beach or something and multitasking and no, not with this book. I've been reading before bed and getting through, you know, a few chapters here and there. And so I'm about a third of the way through and I have some key sections that I want to, without spoiling the whole book for you guys, because I want everyone to, of course, read it themselves, have some sections in here that I want to talk about a little bit with you guys because they really struck a chord with me. And this book overall has really struck a major chord. I feel like there's a lot in here that I can really relate to, especially as someone, if you guys know me from way back in the early YouTube days, someone who was super and still kind of is, you know, I have an interesting relationship with religion. So Christianity, I was a diehard going to church camp, you know, really invested in religion, in Christianity for a very long time. And, 
you know, has since, I've kind of reevaluated what it means to be a Christian or kind of looked into it a bit from a different angle. I have a lot of things I can share about this. Eventually I'll do a whole kind of video or podcast about it. But in a nutshell, I just found that Christianity was kind of limiting to me personally. This is a personal thing. Um, and I think it just, it goes along with the whole concept that many Christians know of just stumbling in your faith. And I stumbled, I have stumbled for a while because there were just a lot of problems I saw with Christianity or just ways that I felt like it didn't represent everyone. And I, I had a hard time believing. And so this book, you know, Glennon Doyle being a Christian author and, you know, a Christian, <laughs> she's really reshaped the way that I see my faith and things like that. Um, so this book has been really great. Overall, it's also just taught me that I have been apologizing for a lot of things I don't need to apologize for. I have been, uh, you know, looking at my life more as like, how can I help others? How can I please others? How can I, you know, make myself small to make other people bigger? And there's a lot of problems with that. So this book has really taught me all those things. I'm not even like halfway through it and I already feel an impact. So yeah, definitely pick it up if you haven't already read it, but I want to share a few little sections. I just moved my coffee cup out of the way so I can get my book out. I have doggy-eared on the bottom of the pages. I always do that. I doggy-ear on the bottom um, when I want to share something with you guys. So if you have the book in front of you, it is page 23, and it's under the chapter called Gatherings. That's the first one um, I'm going to share. And this is a little kind of story that she shares about her, her son, Chase, so her son is 17 years old and he has all of his friends over for like a movie night or something. And she was trying to, you know, leave the kids alone, let them, you know, mingle because it's guys and girls. It's like a mixed, mixed company gathering, you know, how we used to do it when we were teenagers. And it was like, we were all in the basement and we're like, mom, like leave us alone, you know. And you can't tell if it's like a flirty thing or what, but so she pops her head down the stairs and says to the kids, like, do you want any snacks? Are you guys hungry? And the boys, of course, are like, yeah, of course, like we'd love snacks. And the girls, this is, I'm going to read her actual writing here. It says, the girls are silent at first. Then each girl diverts her eyes from the television screen and scans the faces of the other girls. Each looks to a friend's face to discover if she herself is hungry. Some kind of telepathy is happening among them. They are polling. They are researching. They are gathering consensus, permission, or denial. Somehow, the collective silently appoints a French-braided, freckle-nosed spokesgirl. She looks away from the faces of her friends over at me. She smiles politely and says, We're fine. Thank you. The boys look inside themselves. The girls looked outside themselves. We forget how to know when we've learned how to please. This is why we live hungry. Oh, I just got total full body chills from that section because I I feel like I've lived that. I feel like I've definitely lived that. Looking at my friends, looking at, you know, as a girl, as a young girl who, you know, in body image first started being a big buzz topic and something, you know, a pain point where we compared ourselves, I would always look to my friends and think, you know, oh, you know, I don't want to upset the balance of the room by, you know, saying something unpopular or not widely accepted. And especially when it has to do with eating and food, because I had a lot of problems. I still have some problems with food. Um, I'm trying to become, you know, or have a healthier mindset with food. I certainly don't restrict myself, I don't think, but I experience a lot of food guilt and I will feel really guilty. 
after I eat unhealthy foods or, you know, if I'm eating and someone says like, oh, like, you know, I'm okay. I'm just, or they eat something healthier than me. I'm like feeling bad about it. You know, my decision to eat like a burger or something when they get a salad, like I feel insecure around the subject of food and I always have and I'm working on it. I follow some really great dietitians who have given me awesome mindsets surrounding this. That's a whole nother episode, honestly. But just in a, you know, in a nutshell overall, this story really does make you think about how things really, I mean, have they changed a lot since I was 17, you know, since I was a teenager and I looked to my friends for decision making and, you know, I, I still ask my friends for a lot of advice. Like when I'm even writing a freaking Instagram caption, I'm like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Like I respect my friends' opinions and that's one thing. But I also think when you rely too heavily on other people's opinions, that's where you run into kind of a tough area where you need to figure out what you actually feel about things. And, you know, are you hungry? You know, and and you can't look to someone else and say, hey, am I hungry? Like that doesn't make any sense at all. They would have no idea if you're hungry. They know if they're hungry, but it's up to you to decide, am I hungry? Do I want a snack? And this is kind of a metaphor for other things too. So that was a great section. So another one I want to read is from page 46. And this one kind of goes hand in hand with that other one. And it says, when I was a child, I felt what I needed to feel and I followed my gut and I planned only from my imagination. I was wild until I was tamed by shame, until I started hiding and numbing my feelings for fear of being too much, until I started deferring to others' advice instead of trusting my own intuition, until I became convinced that my imagination was ridiculous and my desires were selfish, until I surrendered myself to the cages of others' expectations, cultural mandates, and institutional allegiances, Until I buried who I was in order to become who I should be, I lost myself when I learned how to please. Oh, again, full body chills, total body chills. I just, I can't with this. I just can't because it's so darn true. Like, I just love when an author rips their heart out, puts it on the page, and it matches my heart, matches what I've been through. And that is what she's done here because I definitely, I was talking to some girls on a podcast yesterday. I was on this podcast called Golden Hour Podcast to extremely sweet, gifted girls. They were amazing and it was such a fun time on the podcast. But we were talking about this. We were talking about body um, insecurities and things like that. Um, I think their episode will be out next week so you guys can listen to the full episode. But we were talking about this. We were talking about, you know, when was the first time you kind of realized when did your your decision-making shift to something that was motivated by other people and people pleasing and kind of something that wasn't even really you kind of an out of body sort of motivation something where you were looking to other people you were looking to make other people happy and making yourself small and I feel like it was around the age of like 11 or 12 for me when I first realized and kind of got the the picture (laughs) that I was a little bit, I don't know, a little bigger than my friends or I wore a bigger jean size. And I remember, you know, having swim team practice and in the mornings we would do swim team and it was like 7 a.m. or something, like totally so early in my childlike mind. And we would swim and then afterwards we'd go to the locker room and we'd change. And I remember comparing the sizes the size of my clothes to my friend's clothes, you know, and one of them was like, oh, try this on. And I, it didn't fit me. And that was when I first started to realize that 
my body didn't look like other people's bodies. And then I started to, like I said, go down the spiral, the rabbit hole of wondering why that was. And, you know, if that was the reason, like, oh, aha, that's the reason why this boy won't talk to me. Or that's the reason why I'm the only person in middle school without a boyfriend. Or, you know, it just like kind of, it did the domino effect sort of thing where it became the reason in my head for a lot of my, you know, my not measuring up. Like that was the reason. And yeah, I love when she said, until I buried who I was in order to become what I should be, I lost myself when I learned how to please. Yep, because I got very good at learning how to please. I got very good at saying what other people needed to hear. I got very good at saying things to describe myself that other people wanted to hear, kind of having realistic goals for myself and applying to colleges that everyone else would know and be like oh that's so cool and I feel like I've slowly been doing this thing where I'm unlearning things that I taught myself I really did a good job of teaching myself how to fit myself into this box that that was comfortable for other people and over the years I've had to unlearn how to fit myself into this box I have kind of broken outside of the box but it's taken a lot of courage and I can't believe it (laughs) that it's taken so much courage Um, again on the podcast yesterday we were talking about how when any of us kind of post this like sort of body positive Instagram type of thing where it's like oh here's like the reality like Instagram versus reality or like here's a picture of me not sucking in my stomach or things like that and I've seen a lot of these popping up on on Instagram recently and on YouTube too like just people being super real and on TikTok apparently I'm not really on there but I've heard there's a lot of stuff like that on there too and we were talking yesterday we're like well people always comment like oh you're so brave for posting this And yes, like it does take a significant amount of courage to post your real body, but isn't that crazy that it takes courage to post your real body unedited, un like not sucking in, not from a good angle? Like it takes courage to be real. Is there something wrong with that? Like, is there something wrong with the fact that we have been conditioned to change ourselves or only post flattering angles and like what who decided that that was what we were going to do like I just I can't wrap my head around it but Glennon Doyle has so anyway her book goes on to she offers a lot of solutions to this and how she overcame these things like I said I'm only a third of the way through so I don't want to give like a full synopsis yet or my full opinion because I'm not fully through it but I do want to read one more section this is back from the beginning so this is like page 15 and it's talking about how her daughter, so her daughter Tish, that's her name, um, is obsessed with polar bears and saving the polar bears. And there's a whole section on this. I want you guys to read it yourself. But essentially, she is just so worked up over these polar bears. Her teacher shares a picture of a starving polar bear in class and about how, you know, global warming is such a thing and climate change. And and the daughter becomes obsessed with this. And you know, the mom, Glennon Doyle, starts to worry, like, why is she so obsessed? She, like, even invents, like, a fake email to kind of get her off of this train of, like, the polar bears are dying. Like, it's become, like, the topic of every dinnertime discussion. And she was talking about, you know, in her book about sensitivity and why being sensitive isn't necessarily something that people should look down upon. It's something that's brave. And so I'm going to read this section she wrote. She said, the opposite of sensitive is not brave. It's not brave to refuse to pay attention, to refuse to notice, to refuse to feel and know and imagine. 
The opposite of sensitive is insensitive, and that is no badge of honor. In most cultures, people like Tish are identified early, set apart as shamans, medicine people, poets, and clergy. They are considered eccentric but critical to the survival of the group because they are able to hear things others don't hear and see things others don't see and feel things others don't feel. The culture depends on the sensitivity of a few because nothing can be healed if it's not sensed first. So I love this section because I think that in our current day and age, it's become kind of sexy to not be sensitive and to be someone that can take anything and, you know, can just, you know, forge on through life, not letting anything bother them or not pointing out something that does bother them and talking about it in great detail, which is kind of what I do here on the internet. I feel like I find these little things that bother me, that rub me the wrong way, and I nitpick. I nitpick, but in a good way, I think. I really look into it. I can't just let it go because there's a reason why people, a lot of us, you know, collectively feel certain things, and I need to get to the bottom of it and figure out why we feel this way and how we can work on it, you know? And that could be a gift. It could also be a curse because it does lead me down a lot of rabbit holes. But I also think, you know, this was reassuring to me reading this section because sensitive people are people that really, you know, that feel a lot. They should not feel like they're too much because in many societies, including our own, I would argue, it is essential to have people that are sensitive because otherwise we would all be so hard, so ridiculously thick thick thick-skinned, whoa, I can't say that, uh, to the point where we let really important things go and don't question why and don't work on it a little bit. And you know what happens when you bottle up too many of your thoughts and feelings. And when a lot of us bottle things up, it usually results in just overflowing and exploding and having a meltdown. And I would like to prevent as many of those as I possibly can by just getting to the root of what's bothering me when it's bothering me and not letting it boil over. So anyway, like I said, you guys definitely need to pick up this book because it has really, really impacted me. And even just reading a couple chapters before bed, like if you're someone that doesn't read a lot or doesn't find joy in reading things that aren't fiction, um, I still encourage you to get this. I think it's something where you can just read a little bit here and there and feel really impacted by the pages and yeah, it's in Reese's book club too. So Reese Witherspoon knows all. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the next topic, but I could not say enough good things about Untamed by Glennon Doyle. This episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by Gladskin. And let me tell you a little bit about them. So I personally don't know about you guys, but I love good news in my life. And earlier this year, I made a YouTube video where I opened up about my biggest insecurities. It was super difficult for me to film, but I felt like it would really help so many people. And it really did. And the video was actually all about my struggles with eczema, which has bugged me for years. I've had the most horrendous, just painful eczema on my hands, on my arms, on my face, under my eyes, just really in various parts of my body and it's been a massive insecurity of mine. I've had to cover up my body with clothing and just different accessories, just being so fearful that people would see my eczema and not to mention it was super uncomfortable. And I discovered Gladskin Eczema Cream about like 
six months ago, I think now, and it's really changed my life. Glad Skin scientists actually found that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance in their skin, meaning their skin's microbiome is just out of whack. And Glad Skin eczema cream with microbalance is so much more than just another moisturizer on the shelf. It works by rebalancing your skin's microbiome and providing relief from that itchy redness situation that I just, I know so well because I've experienced it my whole life with eczema. And I noticed a huge transformation in my skin after only two days of using it. It's just amazing how quickly and efficiently it works. Um, it's a really unique product and I've noticed so much change in my skin. I use it twice a day or more than that sometimes. And it's just really unique. It's um, already been a proven solution for eczema relief in Europe for five years and it just became available in the US this year. Wish I knew about it sooner. It's different from steroids and traditional over-the-counter moisturizers because they don't rebalance the skin's microbiome. What's worse, they actually contain preservatives which kills all the bacteria, even the good bacteria that's needed for healthy skin. So I like to say that Glad Skin works smarter, not harder, making it safe for everyone, even little babies as young as three months old. You just apply it twice a day, daily, even on sensitive areas like eyelids. I get it super bad right underneath my eyes and it's a really sensitive area and I don't find that it really irritates my skin at all. It doesn't at all. I have very sensitive skin. And even when your skin feels fine or you have no flare-ups, it's good just to use as a moisturizer. Um, it can be used proactively to keep eczema under control and you can't overuse it. That's not a thing. So it's free of steroids, fragrances, preservatives, and drying alcohols. It's been clinically proven to reduce eczema itch and redness. And there are no drug side effects. It's been clinically tested. It's hypoallergenic, dermatologist recommended, and accepted by the National Eczema Association. And you can get it shipped right to your door at gladskin.com and it's backed by the Gladness Guarantee. You can try it risk-free for 60 days. Love it or your money back. If you guys suffer from eczema or know someone that does, definitely try out Gladskin. I have been such a proponent of it for so long because I believe that it truly does work and I use it myself twice a day. So be sure to check it out, get some for yourself and use my code KATY10, that's K-A-T-Y 10 for 10% off any $35 plus Gladskin purchase and that includes standard free shipping. So use my code K-A-T-Y 10 on gladskin.com for 10% off. So the next topic of business actually comes from something you guys sent me. One of you guys sent me a TED talk earlier this week and encouraged me to not only watch it, but talk about it in today's episode. And here I am doing exactly that. I really do encourage you guys, if you see something that you're like, Katie needs to see this, please send it to me because sometimes I'm just, you know, getting to the bottom of the barrel with ideas of what to talk about. And this is totally up my alley. It is psychology based. It is about mindsets. You guys know I love this stuff. I love analogies and there's a lot of analogies in this. So the TED talk was called Why You Think You're Right Even If You're Wrong. And it's by Julia Galef. It's from a few years ago and I won't be going fully in depth on everything that it was about and whatnot because I do encourage you to listen to it yourself. Um, she talks about these really great stories from history that she got all these facts and a lot of research went into it. So I want you guys to listen to her, you know, speaking about it in her stories. But there is one analogy that Julia came up with that I want to discuss today and it's called the soldier and scout analogy. You guys know how much I love analogies and this has to do with motivations. It has to do with how you react to certain situations and how you can even shift these reactions and you might even do, be doing these things um, unconsciously, subconsciously, not even knowing you're doing it. And I didn't know I was doing it until I heard this. So I'm going to stop rambling and just like tell you guys what it is. So 
essentially, you know, there's a battlefield, right? There's been many battlefields in history. I picture like a huge grassy field, two sides, you know, in different colors, cannons, bows and arrows, all that stuff, you know, like those, um, what are those things called? Like a, like metal, what do you wear? It's like a (laughs) armor. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, you can picture it from any phase of life, medieval times, you know, early 1900s, whenever you want to, you know, picture in your head, but Picture an old school battlefield, and there are two essential players on the battlefield. One is the soldier, the other is the scout. And the soldier, you know, at first mention sounds like the sexier option. You know, wouldn't I want to be known as the soldier? You know, it's kind of attractive, it's hot, it's like, ooh, I'm like powerful and bold and all these things. And the scout is kind of viewed as, you know, second in charge and just kind of like the sidekick because the soldier is often portrayed and as we kind of know you know, we hear the word soldier, what we attach to it is this macho fighter type, you know, having elevated adrenaline, you know, before the fight begins or the the battle begins, Um, acting upon impulse, wanting to win, wanting to protect themselves and their people. So they have motivation-based reasoning and the motivation being wanting to win. Like that is what they are rooted in, wanting to win. Fear and desire shapes how they interpret things and how they fight. And so a lot of us are soldier types. We, you know, have this motivation that's based on us wanting to win, us wanting to prove ourselves and fear of not winning, fear of not succeeding and desire shapes how we react to certain situations. And on the other hand, the scout The scout has this goal to understand. That's mainly the pinnacle of what a scout is trying to do. They want to understand the field. Their goal is not to attack or defend like the soldier. It's, you know, going out first, mapping out the terrain, charts the potential obstacles, the landmines, figures out the, you know, kind of strategy. They see things as they are. And they want to get a clear picture of reality. They don't want to, you know, head on into battle without charting all the possible risks, seeing the field, you know, kind of measuring the other team, things like that. And so more than just on a battlefield, we can also imagine the soldier and scout roles as mindsets that we have. And some of us have soldier mindsets. Some of us have scout mindsets. Some of us have soldier mindsets when we maybe probably should have scout mindsets and vice versa. And these are total metaphors for how all of us process information and ideas in our day-to-day. And so one mindset, you know, the soldier mindset leads us to sometimes make total errors in judgment. And the scout mindset, honestly, if we infuse a little bit more of that in our lives, we can help prevent those errors by maybe taking a step back, taking a second to evaluate the field. And so I've always, like, I'll sit here often and tell you guys that I, I champion my gut feelings. You know, I like going with my gut. Moving out here to LA, went with my gut, just did it, sent it, that sort of thing. And sometimes, you know, it's great, but other times it really gets me into trouble. When it comes to decision making, I feel like going with my gut and being a soldier is kind of a good thing. It's kind of, you know, what I want to be like. But in other ways, like for example, if I'm, you know, sitting here listening to my friend talk to me about this guy that she's seeing or, you know, certain things where I feel a certain level of bias, like I I feel 
a certain way towards a certain topic like dating or I don't know, a number of things. But I sometimes can get like caught up in my biases and see things as, you know, what would I do in my situation? But I don't think, you know, what what should this person do? What should my friend do? I don't see the field. A lot of times I get really tripped up and caught up in my own personal things and my own biases and ways that I was burned in the past. And I give bad advice, honestly. And so I'm trying to essentially shift my mindset into being a little bit more scout-based I think a lot of times people view the scout as, like I said, the sidekick and they don't think of it as someone who maybe could be like the best possible friend to have because they don't let their own personal stuff get in the way of what is best for you. So this leads me to motivated reasoning. So this was touched upon a little bit in the TED Talk, but I did some deeper research because I was really hooked on this idea or this concept. So motivated reasoning is a phenomenon where we have these unconscious motivations, desires, fears, etc., that really shape the way that we interpret information and make decisions. And so we secretly kind of want some ideas to win and some to lose and it's personal motivations for these things like we decide based on our past experiences that you know for example men are toxic we're over dating so we want the idea of dating to lose we want the idea of maybe like one night stands to win or we want I don't know just think of things like that that you make a personal biased based judgment of something and you you want these ideas to either win or lose based on personal experiences etc so the ted talk speaker said quote some pieces of information feel like our allies we want them to win we want to defend them and other pieces of information are the enemy and we want to shoot them down so for example you know going on the idea of relationships like have you ever gotten out of a relationship or a flirtationship or someone ghosted you and then one of your friends get it gets into a relationship that looks kind of promising for them and you still being bitter from your last relationship have this weird tendency that you can't even like put a a name to or just like a weird feeling to be you know, cynical and critical towards this friend's new relationship. Like when you think about it, you're like, oh, like it's, you're disgusted by it because of your personal bias. And so they tell you about a fight that they had with their new boyfriend and you just can't help yourself. You say something like, well, you should probably break up. Like love is dead. Like, you know, thinking to yourself that love is a hoax, all those cynical thoughts. And, you know, you are biased and you kind of give advice based on your personal experiences and you can't you can't bring yourself to see the field and see all of the possibilities and see that your friend honestly probably has you know her situation has nothing to do with yours at all like you can't separate it in your mind and you you're caught up in this adrenaline and self-focused reasoning you make a snap judgment you're being a soldier when you should be a scout you need to get a clear picture of reality unclouded by your own motivations and personal affairs and the scout mindset means seeing what's there as accurately as you can even if it's not at all pleasant for you or self-serving and there's a difference I, I do have to say between being selfless to a fault where you don't consider yourself at all and you're just people pleasing and saying what people want to hear and all that but then you know there's also it's a delicate balance between you know keeping yourself intact, but also giving good advice to your friends and giving, you know, people the benefit of the doubt. 
because I think that there's a time and place for both things. And I find myself kind of getting a little selfish sometimes when my friends really need unbiased advice. And I think that thinking about the scout and soldier mindset really does help you because, you know, the, the key word is just seeing the field and, you know, um, understanding, I guess, is the real big keyword here. So I want to be less self-motivated moving forward and more curiosity motivated. I want to see and get to know what's really there. And I want to get comfortable with seeing things that I don't necessarily want to see. You know, I don't want to decide that I know the answer to something before I really explore all options. Okay. So that is what I took from this TED talk. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes. so You guys can watch it yourself um, and hear the stories that she shares. But this was really great food for thought. And I thank whoever sent this in. I am so inspired by this. So this episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by Pros. And you guys know I love Pros. I have their products in my shower as we speak. Just use them prior to recording this episode. I showered with them. Incredible products. But if you guys don't know, Pros creates customized hair care products for people, not hair types. That's their whole operation. You'll never have to compromise on healthy hair goals with Pros because every product's formula is made especially with you in mind. Their freshly made to order products are designed to transform with you through seasonal and lifestyle changes. And so they create custom shampoo and conditioners based on your personal hair analysis and their algorithm. And their online consultation dives into every factor that affects your personal hair health. There's very you know interesting questions on their quiz that I've never seen another brand do before where they ask about you know, air pollution in your area and how much sun you're getting and just really every factor that goes into your hair health. And with over 50 billion formula combinations, the result is a unique blend of ingredients that caters to your every strand and follicle. And Pro stands by clean and responsible beauty as well. Every formula is sustainably sourced and cruelty-free, which I really admire. And they can accommodate virtually every preference, including vegan, gluten-free, and more. And they're super evolutionary. Their customization process goes beyond the initial consultation. With every single order, they're optimizing formulas based on lifestyle and seasonal changes in your area. And every bottle is made to order. Not to mention, the bottles are so cute. They have your name on them. They're aesthetically pleasing. They look nice in the shower, which is important to me. So I feel like I must note that they look amazing. And I really have seen a nice change in my hair. I find that my hair has gotten shinier over time using their products. So to take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today, just go to pros.com slash Katie. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash K-A-T-Y for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. That is the second thing I want to talk about. So the third thing is critical thinking, okay? We're kind of going back to the beginning of what I was talking about in regards to food guilt and self-criticism and deciding that, you know, one thing is the reason that another thing isn't in your life or that you aren't in a relationship or X, Y, and Z. So I want to talk about that. I saw this little nugget on Instagram uh, that I posted on my story and so many people not only shared it, but also said to me, hey, Katie, can you do a whole podcast on this episode or on this topic? Sorry. And so... I'm going to read it to you guys and talk about it a little bit because I have a lot of thoughts. So it says, your brain is like a detective. It's always looking for the evidence it needs to confirm its perspective. If you feel like you lack something or are not enough, it will go on a hunt to prove you right. But awareness stops the cycle. That's why the most powerful question you can ask yourself is, what evidence is my brain currently looking for? 
And why is it looking for that evidence? And this was written by Drew Purohit, P-U-R-O-H-I-T. Drew spelled D-H-R-U. Anyway, so I want to read a little part of that again. So essentially, your brain is like a detective. It's always looking for evidence to confirm its perspective. Awareness stops the cycle. And that is why the most powerful thing you can ask yourself is, what evidence is my brain currently looking for? What is my brain trying to find, dig to find, that honestly is probably unrelated to the problem, but why is it looking for something to grab onto? Why am I looking for an explanation and why am I trying to find it in my insecurities? Like I picture in my head somewhere, like a little bucket labeled, Katie's insecurities. And there's just a ton of little like scraps of paper in there that say different things like, oh, my stretch marks. Oh, my, you know, size six ass, like a million different things. like just wadded up in this little bucket. And I find that when I have a problem or something that I can't explain that I do, or that doesn't happen to me, like why I'm single and all my friends are in relationships or something like that, like a a concept when I'm trying to figure it out and get to the bottom of it as I do, because I always do these things. I find myself reaching in that bucket. I find my brain, my brain is trying to rationalize it. It's trying to figure it out and it's just easy. It's honestly lazy of my brain to decide that the reason that I am, you know, not measuring up in some way is because of one of these insecurities. You know, that's it. Like, okay, bingo, we got it. That's the reason. Like, oh, I didn't get this, you know, promotion or I'm not making as much money as my friends or something. Oh, You know, my brain's got to reach into the insecurity jar again because there's clearly a reason for this. And the reason is something that I can somehow control, I guess, or I can't, but it's rooted in an insecurity. But like the post says, awareness is what stops the cycle. Awareness that we're doing this, you know, just kind of coming to terms with the fact that we are making silly excuses with insecurities at the root and you know, maybe we'll never know the reason and maybe it's okay that we will never know the reason or maybe there is no reason at all. And so we've got to stop giving our brains fuel to hate ourselves. And I think knowing that other people feel the same way does really lessen the blow. I put on my Instagram story earlier this week when I discovered this post actually, you know, hey guys, like what are your biggest self critiques? Like where do you criticize yourself the most? And I didn't specify, you know, body or mind or anything like that. And I swear to you guys out of like a thousand, like thousands plus of, you know, people's reactions and comments to this, 70% of them were body related and it broke my heart, but also made me feel something. And the feeling was kind of like, I, I feel you like it was it was related to how I feel about myself I feel um, because I'm really hard on my body and just scrolling through this somehow made me feel a little bit better in a way it made me sad but it also made me feel a little bit better because it's just it's something that for some reason we're programmed like this now I don't know why I don't know what it is I think it does stem from childhood it stems from like I said, us trying to, you know, our brains trying to rationalize why something is happening to us. And for some reason, it's just easy to blame it on our bodies. It's easy to say, oh, well, it's because I'm not double zero. It's, you know, I'm not uh, the skinniest of my friends. I, you know, will always have to jump to put jeans on. Like, you know, your brain is looking for the evidence and it finds it in your body and it sucks. And, 
you know, you say, oh, like there's just, there's a reason now. It makes sense. Like this is why I get less attention from guys. This is why I, you know, I don't have as many followers on Instagram. This is why it's because I, you know, I'm not so confident in my body. It's because I don't have, you know, perfect curves. That's why. No, it literally does not. It does not make sense. That is not why. Why are we like this? Like, why do we jump to invention and not to reasoning? Why do we not want to see the whole field? Why do we not have the scout mentality here? Why do we decide that, you know, the the reason is, is insecurity. The reason is something that we, quote, can't control or if we lost 10 pounds that we could control it. And like, why are we like this? Why? And it's because we are just so wired to compare ourselves. And I don't know why. But this actually does lead into my fourth and final concept for today's episode, a little more food for thought. And this has to do with ambition and further just how we compare ourselves to people, not only in terms of body image, but also ambition in other places, in the work world, in the hustle town, hustleville. Oh, I hate that I just said that. I really hate that. Let's take a moment to pretend like I didn't say that. Um, In terms of how people hustle, in terms of just how people grind and make money and all those things. Today's episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by Skillshare. You guys know I've talked about Skillshare so much recently because I just feel like it's the best possible time to get into Skillshare and learn something new because we do have a bit more time on our hands. We are in our apartments or in our houses kind of, you know, twiddling our thumbs a little bit. So Skillshare is there to teach you some new skills with some online classes and uh, just a community that really understands. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. You can explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and just get lost in creativity. There's multiple class topics that I am super passionate about on the site that I'm just constantly diving into, like productivity, freelance and entrepreneurship, uh, film and video. There's some others like, you know, graphic design. Of course, I love illustration, photography. There's a lot. There's more than a few topics that I like on there. A lot of you guys have specifically asked me how I've gotten so good with Procreate, the app for the iPad, which I use to draw and sketch and write all my hand lettering stuff. And I've learned a lot of those skills from Skillshare. There's a class on there right now about floral pattern that I'm about to take, which I'm very excited about. So yeah, they have a bunch of classes in just various realms, Procreate being a big one as well. Um, and just illustration. So I really love Skillshare. You guys know I've talked about it a lot, so I definitely love it. Um, it's just easy to break up your routine of, you know, a day spent indoors, things just getting super monotonous with a Skillshare class. So definitely check it out. As always, I do have a special deal for you all. You can explore your creativity and get two months free premium membership at Skillshare.com thick and thin. So two months of free premium membership at Skillshare.com slash thick, the letter N, thin. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Definitely check it out while you have the chance and let me know how it goes. So I saw this post on my friend. Um, her username is It's GPF. It's Gucci Prada, Prada, Gucci Prada, Fendi. <laughs> she posted this. Great designs on her page. Definitely check her out. It's, um, it's GPF is her username. And she said, do you think real ambition can come from peace and from a place of feeling whole? Or does it always have to come from a place of feeling like you have something to prove? And the way that I saw this was, you know, we always picture two different kinds of people. You know, the people who are super at peace with themselves and are just working their asses off for no reason at all besides the fact that they're feeling whole and they are so self-satisfied. 
And there's this other camp of people that, you know, are grinding and working hard because they feel like they need to prove something. And, you know, the secret is I feel like they're the same person, honestly. And just sometimes people are really good at showing or trying to portray that they are so at peace with themselves and yet they're still ambitious and they're still grinding. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Perhaps I I am wrong. And maybe there are types of people in this world that are just so at peace with themselves and they have no comparison, no envy, no feelings of needing to prove something either to other people or to their younger self or to their parents, you know. And I I just feel like they're the same person to me. I feel like it's all a matter of what day it is because some days I feel like I'm the person just acting from a place of peace, from a place of self-satisfaction. And on other days I am waking up feeling like the sky is falling and that I'm going to be irrelevant tomorrow and that, you know, someone else is doing this way better than me and a number of different feelings. And I feel like it just really depends on the day. I feel like some of the most successful, seemingly self-satisfied people have days of total doubt and needing to prove themselves. And so I just wanted to leave you guys with that because I feel like we often feel that there are these supernatural special people in this world that have no, you know, have no comparison, no envy, no, no uh, feelings of, I still need to prove this, or, you know, I need to make my, my previous younger self happy. And like, I still have things I need to do. I still have, I don't think it's a bad thing by any means, but I do think that some of us feel that there are these people out there that have nothing to prove, that have nothing that they are insecure about. And that's just so false. You know, any interview you listen to or thing you, you hear when people of accomplishment are trying to describe, you know, their lives like these people are honestly some of the unhappiest people too because you know the view at the top is pretty lonely and it's pretty it, it's clouded with people wanting to take you down like I, I saw this video of Emma Chamberlain the big YouTube girl um, love her stuff I think she's great she posted like a, a picture I think or a video of her having a meltdown like sobbing uncontrollably or something like that um, and You know, it just goes to show that even the people that have it all and people strive to be in their position, she's like a million, multi-million dollar house and is like creating these videos for so many people, has like sponsorships up the wazoo, is working with Vogue, all these things. These people can still, you know, have a feeling of like, oh God, I need to prove something. I need to, you know, please people. I need to do all this stuff. And this honestly goes back to the talk I was, you know, discussing earlier about Glennon Doyle's chapters of, you know, where do we learn this? When do we decide or when does it happen to us that, you know, the other people's opinions and other people's judgments matter so much? It's just so mind boggling to me. But I just want to leave you guys with that. You know, I want to ask you guys this question. Do you think that real ambition can come from peace and from a place of feeling whole or does it always have to come from a place of feeling like you have to prove something? You know, we admire so many people because we think they're successful and have it all, but are they whole? How do they feel about their own success? That is what my friend said to me when I I answered this question to her. So yeah, I might have misinterpreted this whole thing, but that's how I see it (laughs) because I think sometimes, you know, you you think a lot of people are more whole than they are and I think a lot of people have missing pieces and that's okay 
And I feel like people think that someday they will have all the pieces filled. And honestly, sometimes, you know, you got to think to yourself, maybe I won't ever find these missing pieces. And that's okay, I think. So that's the way I see it. Um, I'm hungry. I need lunch. It's one o'clock and I haven't eaten anything besides a granola bar today. So I'm going to go to the kitchen. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Thick and Thin. And a lot of these little nuggets hopefully made you think and made you, you know, think critically about how you are interpreting things. And yeah, that's it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Bye.